welcome to From the Root Podcast. Our second episode is broken down into two parts. The first part, we discuss the coming out stories, sexual orientation involving genders, how we define queer, and the phrase trans attracted. In the second part of the episode, we will discuss sexuality beyond gender, including kink, sexuality changing within social norms, as well as the importance of sexual fluidity. Enjoy! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, I am Michelle. And I'm Serena. And this is From From the the Root, a discussion-based podcast that explores holistic wellness through our lived experiences as Black queer people. Serena, I have three questions to ask you. So for the first one, what is your favorite color? And think of three deep reasons for why. Okay, so my favorite color is green. One, it represents abundance. It is also the color of the heart chakra. And that's definitely a chakra that I've been working on, been meditating on a lot. The heart chakra is both um, this rose pink as well as a green color. Then the third reason is because it reminds me of being in nature. I love nature. I'm an earth sign. So it always brings back fun memories of trees and grass and uh, wonderful childhood memories of playing outside. Great. Okay. And what is your favorite animal? My favorite animal is the Black Panther. Yeah, I I think it's a really sexy animal. It's really powerful. It's mysterious. Definitely a nod to the Black Panther Party. But just as an animal, I think it's um, really amazing and interesting and powerful. Black Panther is my favorite animal. Okay, and what is your favorite body of water and why? Um, my favorite body of water would definitely be the ocean. I love the beach. love going to the beach. love putting my feet in sand. Uh, yeah. Okay. Any other reasons? Any other reasons? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's expansive. You know, it covers it covers the majority. I mean, water covers the majority of our planet, but obviously the ocean is the biggest body of water. And I also like just feel like intrinsically connected to it. I love going to the beach and just like submersing myself in the water and meditating. I think it's a really um, unique experience. If you haven't done that, you should definitely go <laughs> and do that. Nice. Okay. So the reasons why I ask these questions are because they actually relate to you a lot. So for instance, (laughs) your favorite color represents how you see yourself. So you see yourself as abundant, focusing on the heart chakra. You see yourself, well, I mean, you are an earth sign and you see yourself in nature. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that you said childhood memories. So maybe a little childish Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. innocent, Mm -hmm. like a child. And then animal represents how you view a partner, like how you find your partner attractive, which I think is interesting because you said powerful (laughs) twice. (laughs) You also said sexy, mysterious, (laughs) amazing, and interesting. And then as far as sexuality, you mentioned, oh, and the body of water represents your sexuality. And you defined it as expansive and becoming submerged in water and meditating. And I think that's interesting, especially when it comes to what we're going to be talking about today, which is sexual fluidity. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Okay. So discussing sexual fluidity, I mean, you and I both identify as queer folk. Well, I guess I could start out with this since you started out the last one, coming out stories. So 
my coming out story wasn't really that exciting, unfortunately. So I grew up in a really strict religion for a majority of my childhood. And growing up in that strict religion very much limited a lot of different things, including obviously sexuality, like homosexuality is not accepted within the religion. Masturbating is not accepted in the religion. They will remove you if you do end up having sex before marriage or committing adultery. Like those are huge uh, red flags for them. Those are things that they will actually um, excommunicate you for. When I was growing up, one of the things that really bothered me, I mean, one of the biggest things that bothered me about my religion is just that, like, they are not feminists. And <laughs> that was my first <laughs> huge thing. My second one was my friendship groups. I didn't really like the fact that um, you're not allowed to have friends outside of the religion. And then yeah. the third thing was homosexuality. As I was becoming more comfortable with mine, I recognized that those things didn't align and the things that I would ask, like I would be doing Bible studies and I would ask a lot of questions around homosexuality and like why it's not accepted within the religion. And I just never got an answer that really felt right to me. Part of their explanation was that homosexuality, like associating homosexuality with sodomy, which I did not agree with. It never really stuck well with me, which is um, a huge part of my coming out story because I ended up leaving the religion partially because of that it was one of the reasons why I chose not to um, com commit myself through baptism and it is definitely one of the reasons why I left um, this piece of my childhood and the people and the culture behind I started to discover myself when I was in high school I am not really a jealous person that's not a trait that comes often to me especially in any form of romantic sense but there was this girl and she had these friends and for some reason I was jealous of her friends and I couldn't explain why it was I was just like oh I don't understand why does she hang out with those people and not me and it still didn't even click it clicked one day when I was at my locker and we see each other all the time, but we didn't have the same friends. And on top of it, like we were never, we were in the same class ever since like our junior year of high school. So senior year, um, we, every time we would see each other, we'd just be like, Oh, like I haven't seen you in a really long time. One day I was at my locker and I'm just fixing it and I close my locker door and there she is on the, like right, like behind it to surprise me. And then, I don't know, these feelings popped <laughs> up and it just confirmed, I really like this girl. <laughs> and the reason why I am jealous of her friends is because <laughs> I like her. It has nothing to do with anything else. So it was uh, very interesting. Um, and I ended up dating a boy afterwards, but I came out to him as a bisexual, which is what I thought I was. Except I never was really interested in my boyfriend <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, I liked him as a friend, but I, I didn't like anything else. And we ended up breaking up while I was in college. After I transferred from my first college, I was um, at home. There was this personal trainer at this gym, and I thought she was so cute. I had a huge crush on her, and I don't know why, but she was entertaining my crush, even though... <laughs> <laughs> we, there was a huge age gap she was entertaining it I think she just liked the attention I thought she was really cute but I was also <laughs> talking to this guy that I thought was also attractive but it came to the point where it was again like I didn't want to do anything with him I just thought he was cute and he invited me to hang out at his house and watch movies and that was before Netflix and chill so I honestly had no idea that <laughs> mm -hmm. this meant that <laughs> <laughs> pretty much like I had no idea that that meant more yeah. than just hanging Red out box and, shoe. and watching movies and then he was trying to hook up with me and I was just like absolutely not and like I timed it I was like okay oh, at 11 30 I'm out so as soon as 11 30 hit I was like I'm leaving and I got up and I left mm -hmm. and while I was in my car heading home I really thought to myself but if it was this person that I have a huge crush on, would I have left? And I was like, absolutely not. And that's when I like started to recognize that I'm not attracted to cis men. So mm -hmm. I just assumed that I was only attracted to women until I was on Tumblr and I saw some really hot 
trans and gender non-conforming folk and they had they were having a conversation about like whether you should identify as a lesbian when you're dating trans men or gender non-conforming people and I was like oh you know what I should definitely not identify as a lesbian and I just went with queer from then on and queer has been mm-hmm. great because my sexuality has changed over time even with identifying as queer but it still encompasses the people that I'm interested in because gender because queer is such a broad term so I actually really love it for that reason also because if someone is interested in me it's a good way of getting to know me by asking me like who who are you sexually attracted to or emotionally attracted to so yeah that's my coming out story I came out to my parents well I came out to my mom I don't even remember somewhere in my early 20s and she was like excited Mm. for me to tell her um, but the last people I actually told was my best friend and my mom because they mattered the most to me. So I guess like I did it like on levels of like who uh-huh. I think would be more accepting. So then like which were my gay and queer friends. So like then my best friends and then eventually my mom who was just so excited. Mm-hmm. And basically she went on a rant of this is how I knew you were gay. <laughs> 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 and she just listened to me you all the reasons time when you did. were five. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what she did. Because, like, you did this, and then that, that time, and then you did that. She was so excited. Like, when she realized I was coming out to her, her eyes widened. Her eyebrows were, like, practically on the back of her head. She was just, like, so excited for me to tell her. Aww, I love that. <laughs> so what was your coming out story? Um, all right. I feel like there is definitely some parallels. Um, and like, you know, when you ask that, cause I feel like I always start my coming out story a lot later <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, there are these things that happened before that. Um, I definitely feel like a, a late bloomer. And I say that also knowing that I did a lot of queer shit <laughs> like super early on. I like all, I love seeing the the memes and stuff where it's like you know how you know you're queer and it's like you had a rock collection as a child, <laughs> which I just assume like everybody like collecting rocks. Um, but I don't really remember a lot of experiences um, when I was super young in terms of like engaging with somebody of the same gender or just like multiple genders. But so when you were talking about being jealous of like that, that friend, when I was in college, I was in feminist theory. Yeah, first <laughs> so, clue. First clue. Um, <laughs> and there was uh, this girl in the class and, um, you know, I didn't, like, at, the, at the time was I, I don't even know if I was dating. Yes, I was dating somebody at the time. Um, I was dating this guy, this man, we were living together. Um, so there was somebody in this class and she was so smart and just had amazing ideas. And I remember when she, like, when she started speaking, I got immediately jealous of her. And I'm also like a really like competitive person just naturally. And it was really, it was strange because <laughs> I wasn't really understanding where, this jealousy was like originating from I didn't really think much of it we got assigned to do a group project together I drove so we were working one day in the library and she's like oh I live the same way as you so I give her a ride home and we're just chatting in the car talking to her a little bit and like I knew she was she was queer or I'm I'm not sure how exactly she identified but definitely dated other women and when we're in the car she tells me that she remembers seeing me. I don't even remember the name of the place. There's one gay club, gay catch-all <laughs> club in Rochester, Rochester, New York, where I grew up. And she's like, I remember seeing you there. And I was like, what? Because I've only been to this place like a whole of two times. Or I think at that time, that was my first time. And they left me standing out at the door because they said that, that they were like, this isn't you on my ID, which it was. So my boyfriend at the time had to come all the way out to the club to give me, like, to bring me, like, my debit cards and shit and, like, show it to this, you know, this bouncer who was just being a huge asshole. So I was standing at that door for, like, a good hour 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember you from the club. You know, I saw you there. And she was like, you were standing at the door. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I thought it was interesting. And then I, like, kind of framed it in that context and, like, other things she had said to me. And I was like, oh, like, maybe she likes me. And that was the first time, like, anybody beyond a cis man, not the first time, but the first time I'd really, like, engaged with the conversation where I'm like, oh, somebody else of, you know, who's not a cis man might be interested in me. And I remember after that, like, taking a lot more note of her Again, like I'm in a relationship with a cis guy at that time. We dated until I like graduated college. So nothing really happens. I graduate from college. I go out to um, a club one day or what was it? It was St. Patrick's Day. I go out, which is like crazy in Rochester because there's like all these, you know, drunk white people. So we go out and it's like 70 degrees that way day. So it's a gorgeous day. And I meet up with my best friend and she brings along her at the time her fiance's um childhood best friend is this woman who is tall and gorgeous and I can still remember like meeting her outside and then being in the club with her and like her walking up to me like dance with me and like (laughs) so she was very straightforward and like very like putting her energy out there and again it was like this first time where somebody who's not a cis man who is like showing me any kind of interest any kind of attraction um and after that we did like in true queer fashion that thing where you like hang out for several months like sleep in the same bed like let me give you a massage nothing happens we ended up sleeping together so that was the first woman I ever slept with and for I feel like towards the beginning of that I was always just like I'm not gay I'm not (laughs) anything like I just like sleeping with women which is valid as well after a few months of this, I started, I was like, I want to take this person out on a date. Like I start having more romantic feelings. So after that, I was just like, you know, floodgates opened. I identified as bisexual. I'm not sure, probably up until I came to um, move to New York. So I moved to New York in 2015. Probably up until then, I identified as bisexual and then when I was here, I was, again, dating a cis man, but he was, like, open to me, um, like, exploring. And so I'm, like, on Tinder, tendering around and, like, just, like, you know, seeing what's out there and meeting people. And at that time, I was also, like, engaging in, like, community activism and just, like, expanding my whole knowledge base of, like, okay, there's more than two genders, and as I was like just seeing what was out there in, the, in you know the dating community, I was like, oh, I'm I'm definitely interested in more than two genders. And so for me, that's I now identify as pansexual. I know some people that are bisexual just means you are attracted to two or more genders. I don't like using the term bisexual just because I feel like it kind of I want to get away from anything that like uses like bi or like reinforces binary thinking. And so I. I just identify as pansexual because I know for a fact, like, I love, I love, I like all people. Like, <laughs> to me, I definitely find attraction now more towards people that are, like, gender fluid, um, people that, like, really have a strong expression of both their masculine and feminine energy. Yeah, so my my coming out, I always say, was really to myself first. I never, my mother passed away in 2014. So before, so I never really like, and I wasn't, because I was never dating anybody or like in a serious relationship with anybody. I never like had that moment of telling her. So for me, it was just like, you know, everybody else, like it's what it is. I'm, this is what I am now. And so for me, the biggest coming out was to myself because I feel like that was, that was the most important was me being able to acknowledge that I, I always am like, damn, like I missed out on so much I could have been (laughs) getting into in college if I had just been out, like if I just had the awareness. But yeah, there were definitely so many signs as a child, like my when my Barbies would play together, like everybody was dating everybody. (laughs) So there were signs earlier than that.
Yeah, I definitely had those too. Like, I remember when I was a kid. No, like, I just remember being like a preteen or something and watching like movies where like sorority girls make out. And I was just like, I want to be in a sorority. <laughs> like, if that's what they do, I want to be in that. But like, never really clicked for me. I had a dream. Like, what really kickstarted my, like, me recognizing that I wasn't straight was like, I had a dream about a girl in my theater class when I was like 16 and we were making out and then every time I saw her I was just like these weird feelings popped up but it didn't really confirm anything mm. for me I was just like oh it's like a little girl crush and it wasn't until um that girl that I was jealous of all of her friends that's when I realized oh this is not a girl crush like this this is consistent this isn't just a one-time thing so yeah, it's interesting. I I feel like my coming out story is is too. It's like more about me than anything else. Like I was, I wasn't like one hundred. I was nervous to tell my friends, but not because I felt they were going to reject me. My friends were actually. I was actually really homophobic growing up, especially in such a strict religion, and also like my the culture that I, I I'm a Haitian American. Haitian people generally are not really gay friendly. So like it like I was homophobic as a kid. And my friends were the ones who tried to cut that out and were, like, trying to teach me better. So it wasn't really that I was worried about that. Mm. I was more worried about being labeled the gay friend. Like, I just didn't want that to be my whole identity with them. But then I realized, like, my friends didn't, I mean, they didn't really care. And they definitely don't see me that way. So that was great. And I don't really have too many uh stories of losing too many friends but that's also because i literally removed myself from a community that i knew i wasn't going to be able to stay in so like that was a big change for me but it was also the right decision i don't want to be around anybody who's going to make me feel less sane yeah that remove i feel like that's like a self-preservation because it's like you know you already know the conversations the comments that you'll hear and that's not to say everybody but I, when I moved here, when I was like, really like, okay, I'm going out, I'm meeting, you know, people who are part of this like LGBTQ community. Um, I was like, I ain't going to no straight club. I don't want to, I don't want some dude, some cis dude grinding up on me at the club with his dick. I don't want to be like, no, I'm not interested. And that, and I already like, I already was dealing like with that. And I know we've had conversations about this before but I feel like I put up with so much I would hold so much space for cis men that I did not even realize until I was like not dealing with it anymore and I feel like that's I just I give that up to my like infinite patience and capacity to like hold things which can be to my detriment because I'm like damn I was like and I can see it in like the relationships I've had dating cis men where I was like really mommying people and, you know, people that were just like, and I, and I feel, I feel like I did date um, plenty of cis men who had a lot of like, um, you know, more considered feminine qualities, like more emotional, emotive. um, And, but it was an underdeveloped, like there was underdeveloped feminine qualities where I would have to be that one, like, okay, here, let me walk you through it. Let me hold your hand. And, and honestly, I see that in a lot of like, you know, a lot of other um, friends that I had at the time um, still have. And I'm just like, wow, we were holding so much space (laughs) for these men. And, you know, what detriment was that to myself? that I wasn't pouring that into myself. And that's not to say that that can't happen. That definitely can happen and show up in um, the queer community. It does. I see it, but it's, it's not to the same magnitude. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I've been delivered. (laughs) I've been delivered. Yeah. I will never forget that day. I (laughs) still remember we were in my car driving to the, to the museum of natural history and you were telling me, and I was just like, I'm exhausted just hearing this. Like, I had no idea that <laughs> I had no idea that women were holding this much space for men. But I was like, that sounds so tiring. Why? 
I remember feeling so exhausted from hearing that and that never really I that like has always stayed with me because I was like I didn't realize like it takes this much effort it takes a lot of effort being with men (laughs) but yeah Yeah. every day I'm grateful a moment of (laughs) silence for all the the cis women just the women in general holding space for cis men yeah (laughs) I, I wish you Patience. I wish you. I yes. wish you bad bitch energy, because I just at some point you just have to let that shit go. For real. <laughs> yeah, and and definitely like coming become like coming out is what like delivered me from that experience that helped me realize like there was another way out there. Um, yeah, and it was interesting because I remember. This there, I was dating a cis man. Um, this was the last cis man I dated, and I felt like on paper he was he was like probably like exactly what I would have or should have liked. Like the guy that I would have probably ended up marrying had I met him five years earlier. He's like six four, loved the outdoors, loved to travel. He was writing a play about gentrification in Brooklyn. He was like born and raised Brooklyn, um, Caribbean guy. And he had the biggest dick ever <laughs> and knew what he was doing. And it was like, and he could like, yeah. And on paper, he was everything I should like. And I could like, I could connect with him. I like, we vibed and everything, but it was just, it wasn't it. I was like, I know there is something else out there that I'm missing. This, this isn't it. And um, met my, uh, started dating my first uh, or being in my first like queer relationship uh, shortly after that, and that was um, met with its own challenges. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. I remember like when it solidified to me. I think it was it was my mm. first kiss. Like I, my first kiss with a boy. I've, I haven't kissed that many boys. I feel like I've kissed like no, that's not true. I've actually kissed a decent amount of men. <laughs> compared, like. Any situation where I was with a man, I always knew that I was not straight, at least. So it's kind of funny. But I remember my first boyfriend, we kissed. It was the worst kiss of my life. I love, like, that is such a... Oh, my God. It was a horrible, horrible kiss. The worst. And I just remember, and, like, I didn't feel anything. Like, you watch all these Disney movies, and they tell you you're supposed Mm. to feel something. Your foot's supposed to pop up, and it's supposed to be fireworks (laughs) and things. I was like, where are the fireworks? I feel nothing. I was just like, all I feel is this ashy, chipped lips <laughs> on my beautiful soft skin. Yeah. My beautiful soft lips. Not the ash. Yes, it was terrible. <laughs> and I just kept thinking to myself, like, oh, I should kiss a girl. Like, if I kiss a girl, I feel like it'll feel different because at least she wears chapstick. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I did end up kissing you, Katy Perry. <laughs> Funny enough, I ended up kissing like my first kiss with a man and my first kiss with a woman were at the same movie theater. Um, but um, okay, yeah. I see you. <laughs> but <laughs> when I had my first kiss with a girl, I the whole world had stopped. I forgot where I was. I forgot I was in a movie theater. I forgot I was in public. It was amazing. Mm. I was like, this is everything I was ever looking for. And it just continued to like make more questions for me pop up within, because I was still in that religion. Like, I just remember thinking to myself, like, people think that like, this isn't real, but there's no way you can tell me that these feelings aren't real because Mm. this feels absolutely magical. I was floating. Like I lost an earring somewhere in there. It was fine. It was fine. (laughs) <laughs> it was know. great. She had to remind me we were in public, and I was like, "Oh yes, <laughs> let me calm down." But it was amazing, and yeah, that difference is what really solidified. I was like, "Oh yeah, I 100% love women," and I have yet to find. I've never, I've never kissed the guy that made me feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that's a good segue into um, our topic today of sexual fluidity. So our working definition today for sexual fluidity is the idea that a person's attractions and therefore their sexual identity, lesbian, gay, bisexual, heterosexual, can change over time. So, Michelle, 
what does with that being said that's our working definition cool but you know who cares what Miriam Webster has to say what does sexual fluidity mean to you I mean honestly I feel like fluidity like shifts things and on top of it I'm a water (laughs) sign like I just literally just see the ocean like shifting in every direction like you know sometimes it goes this way sometimes it goes that way so for me sexual fluidity is just like being able to be open-minded towards any anything anyone or anything that I might be sexually attracted to like I don't really limit myself in any way like if I find this person attractive I find that person attractive just like I I don't I don't really feel like I give myself such a hard time in accepting my queerness like I think I had a hard time with other people not knowing that like my religion didn't Mm -hmm. accept it and I never really beat myself over the head for that like when I realized I was queer like it didn't change anything for me like my sexuality has shifted over time like I realized oh I'm not attracted to this I am very attracted to that oh I'm not attracted to this this is very attractive to me and I've never really limited myself in any of those ideas because I allow myself to be open to whatever like there are I know there are things I I know myself well enough to know like this is a hard no and this is something I'm open to and when I think of sexual fluidity at least when it comes to me and actually interacting with a person, if we're about to engage in anything sexual, I stop if I feel any form of hesitation. Mm-hmm. Like if I have any form of hesitation at all towards it, I won't I won't engage in any form of sex. Which has been great because I mean there aren't that many times I felt hesitant. Ooh, I'm just out here. Well, I'm just out here home. Uh, Listen, but... pro ho around here. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, like there's not that too many times where I've been hesitant was just open up me up to a lot of experiences with people who identify with multiple genders and all of it has been fine for me. I've never had any negative. I mean, I've had negative experiences with sex, but that's just because of the personal individual, but not due to uh, mm-hmm. gender. Like I... I just kind of allow whatever to happen in that um, lens, which has been great. Like, um, I guess that's my definition of sexual fluidity. It's like, I'm just open to whatever's out there and just recognizing like, oh, this is attractive to me and I feel my body responding and I'm responding. And I, if I don't feel any hesitation, I'll go for it. Yes. As long as there's consent on both sides. <laughs> yes, consent. Consent matters. It's ongoing. <laughs> We're looking for enthusiastic consent. Enthusiastic <laughs> consent. Um, I like the openness. Definitely similar vibe for me. Um, just being really open to the expansiveness of my attractions. Um, because, you know, for me, I feel like I could have experienced that first or even like that first initial like real spark in college and could have completely ignored it instead that like really was I feel like the catalyst for the turning point for me you know nothing happened for like a couple years after that but had that not happened again it probably would have delayed this coming out even longer because there were signs earlier but it's just like there wasn't really that um, opportunity I feel like my attractions are constantly in flux And so for me, it's just like really being open to that. Like it's different for everybody. Some people, there's not as much movement (laughs) or flow, but for me, and especially like I'm ruled by, I'm an earth sign, but I have a lot of air in my charts and my head is like one place and a completely Mm -hmm. another hemisphere, a different day. And so really being able to hold space for that. And I've learned to just like be okay, to be okay with like the discomfort that might come up because for some people, the first time they're experiencing it, it might be a really uncomfortable feeling and they want to push it down. They want to ignore it. But if you push things down, if you ignore it, let me tell you, it's going to come to the surface. That's we from the root. We're doing it. We're pulling up everything that's <laughs> there. We're not pushing it down. Yeah. And being willing to like call my attractions into question. And so when I say that, it's like, okay, my attractive to these like hyper-masculine cis men And like, that was like a very defining portion of my life and really being able to sit there and like interrogate that, call that into question, be like, what's the origin here? You know, what is it about these individuals? Is there more? Is there, you know, 
some kind of societal influence going on. And I feel like people often don't want to, they want to feel like, oh, I'm completely unbiased. I'm not influenced by media. I'm not influenced by society. Like, listen, the studies are there. (laughs) Like, it's a reality. You know, it's not something to me to be like, I'm not one of those people, but to be like, okay, I'm open to hearing that and interrogating myself to see where, like, maybe I'm falling into these patterns of not allowing myself to be open to more. And one of the doing a little research for this, I found a definition that I really liked, and I felt really defined a lot of where I'm at right now. And this is from, we'll link it, but it's from the Gender and Sexuality Center at University of Rhode Island. So this is just a list of terms of trans gender fluid, gender expansive identities. And so I found this term called demigirl. So a demigirl is, it's a gender identity term for someone who was assigned female at birth, but does not fully identify with being a woman, socially or mentally. In other words, while female is the sex designation and the person identifies somewhat with the gender identity, woman, the person does not consider themselves as only in those binaries. Yeah, so I love information, and I feel like part of my fluidity is being able to be exposed to new ideas, because when I read that, it really resonated with me. You know, I don't thank you to whoever created that word. I feel like, you know, words, words matter. I don't feel like we should get too hung up on them. We should allow them, again, to be fluid. But hearing that felt very affirming, because it kind of gave word and definition an affirmation that, you know, other people are having this experience. And so, yeah, I feel like that gets into my sexual fluidity. You know, I'm feeling very demi girl right now. Who knows that might change. Um, Yeah. So that's what sexual fluidity means to me. Nice. What about the term queer? So I know we both identify as it, but like, how do you define queerness in general? For me, I keep it pretty, I would say I keep it very simple as like queer is not heterosexual and or cisgender. Um, It's an umbrella term that I feel like can cover a variety of identities. Yeah, so to me, like I said, I'll keep it pretty simple. I say queer is not heterosexual and or cisgender. What about you? How do you define queer? I, I define it the same way. It's it's not you don't identify as a cis het person. Mm-hmm. So you could be trans, you could be non conforming, you can be queer, lesbian. You wouldn't be you're you would. It's a huge umbrella term for sure. Which I I love being part of that community. So we love umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> what about your feelings towards the word and the history of it? Um, I like it because I feel like it's a very inclusive word. Um, and so for the history of queer, you know, queer was a term that's, it was a very like othering term. It was a slur used against, I believe, both gay and lesbian people. You know, it was historically used as a slur. And so I know, I'm not sure when exactly they started to reclaim that word to be applied. And I do feel like however it was originally used, it probably has grown a lot to how all-encompassing it is now. But I really like that the inclusiveness of it, the ambiguity of that, because I feel like with ambiguity, that that leaves room for more. It leaves room for that this is something that's constantly evolving. And that's one of my favorite parts about being in this community is that space that there's always this little room that's left for more growth that we're like, there's still more, there's still more out there that we don't know. We got all these, the next generation, uh, what have we got? Um, Gen Z. Is that what they're, is that what we're at now? Yeah. That are. Yep. They're the, the Gen Z. <laughs> the Gen Zers are coming up with new terms. And I think I saw some posts and it was saying how like millennials, we love our um, labels. <laughs> Valid. But I also think one of the things I like about Gen Z is that, again, that ambiguity, that they're okay with the not knowing and that leaving things open to interpretation, open to interpretation and how okay that is. And also, I feel like how counterculture that is, 
that we don't need to define everything. We can leave things ambiguous. What about you? What are you feeling on on queer? I think it's interesting because, like, I don't, I haven't met too many people who are not for the term. At least, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a LGBT issue, so I don't really care about straight people's <laughs> opinions on it. But um, several seats, <laughs> like talking, to, yeah. But like talking to the, like like older people within the LGBT community, I know that some of them do have like they feel like the word queer is like very cringing. I remember I told this woman that I identify as queer and she was like woof woof queer and I was just like huh (laughs) (laughs) like I mean I know that it has history actually I kind of looked it up a bit the term originally means like strange odd peculiar eccentric Mm. it was not quite right like a Mm. little off like that was a term that was used in the 16th century it was part of our language 20th century is when they started using it as a way derogatory comment towards um LGBT people especially gay men Mm -hmm. and it was just as heavy as a word as like the word fairy Hmm. or I don't know if it was as heavy as the f word but it was pretty high up there but fairy and queer were were very harsh terms back then and as time as things evolved and we got towards the 1980s is when the reclaiming began a organization called queer nation started using the term queers and like identifying Mm. as queers especially in the 1990s and now we're in the 2000s to well 2020 (laughs) now and like things have changed a lot from the 1980s when it just be started to become reclaimed till now that's like this is 40 years in the making and it's interesting because i feel like what it's not as controversial maybe part of it is because of the fact that the term queer it doesn't have a huge history of being a derogatory term for like series of centuries like it was used in this mm-hmm. like it it it's very recently that it was used as a negative term and then it was recent very very recently reclaimed um to mean something completely hmm. different so it's interesting to hear um people of different generations have a conversation of the term queer and if they feel comfortable with it or not but I know for us, a lot of people have reclaimed the word to the point where I don't think a lot of people even know that it was derogatory back in the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think they're like the Gen Zers. I think there are people who are born and have no, no re- idea. recollection whatsoever. No idea. Because I definitely, as a child, recall queer being derogatory term or like there being like some kind of history of it. I feel like that's also probably stuff I absorbed from media, repeating that. So I do love, like, how quickly that kind of, like, slipped on its head. Same, me too. What about the term trans-attracted? Have you heard that term before? (laughs) (laughs) I have heard this term before. My understanding is it just means you're attracted to trans people. Mm -hmm. When I hear that, to me, it comes off as fetishizing. Because, like, for me, I'm attracted, like, again, I'm attracted to all people. I'm attracted to trans people. You know, your gender identity, your sexual identity isn't intrinsically connected to, like, my attractiveness, my level of attractiveness to somebody. I guess for me, I want to know, what do you mean if a person is using this? What are they really saying? What are they getting at? Like, is it being used to attempt to uplift and center a very marginalized community? Or is it in a fetishizing way? Because I've definitely heard, like, seen or heard, like, trans for trans. So I think when a trans person is saying it, like, oh, like, I really wouldn't want to date another trans person. That to me is different than, say, like, a cisgender person or, like, a cisgender man saying, like, I'm trans attracted. And I also, because I also feel like, there is, you know, the level of violence that trans women experience, specifically Black trans women experience. And this violence is often perpetuated by people who are close to them. In many cases, it's like a lover, somebody they have some kind of relationship with. And, you know, there's this whole issue of people who are hiding the relationship, minimizing the relationship, And so when you're saying trans attracted to me, is it like, because those people are 
attracted to trans women and they're then like fetishizing them and doing it in a way that's um, dangerous that they have their own internalized transphobia to unpack and so for me it just gets down to like what what do you mean what what do you really mean when you're saying that are you fetishizing that person like I personally don't like to be fetishized like you know, growing up, I was fetishized a lot by dark skinned black men who are like, I want you to date you because you're light skinned and you're going to give me light skinned babies. Like literally having people say that and like, that's a fetish. You know, it's also colorism to me. Also, if I date people who are doing that, I'm like perpetuating these negative norms and, you know, it can be seductive because I'm like, well, oh, you really, you like me. You like you know, like my, the color of my, my light skin is harmful. And so for me, it gets down to what do you mean when you're saying trans attracted? Like, are you really about uplifting and centering trans people? Or are you just fetishizing trans people in a harmful way? And again, who's who's saying this? Is it a trans person or is it a cisgender person who's saying this? Well, like, um, from what I know, I have never heard the term trans attracted until Malik Yuba had used it. He's an actor. I don't remember what he's been in. He's in a lot of things. He's on Girlfriends. That's all I remember <laughs> right now. But um, Malik Yoba had used it. I'm not really sure if he... I don't think that he dates trans women exclusively. Actually, there's some problematic things with Malik Yoba. Because I'm pretty sure he was <laughs> in a sexual relationship with a trans woman who was much... Who was inappropriately aged. Um. Mm. But yeah, I don't think he necessarily meant that he's exclusively attracted to trans women. I think that he was using that word to to just state that he is attracted to trans women. And I think it's important for men to discuss, especially cis heterosexual men, to have the conversation about being attracted to trans women. I don't necessarily feel like there needs to be a specific term to be attracted to trans people. Like, I don't like the idea of the term trans attracted only just because I feel like it, um, it, uh, it others them because we don't have cis, I'm a mm-hmm. cis attracted terms. Like there's no terms for like only liking this type of guy or this type of girl. So why exactly will we then other trans people by having the specific term for being attracted to them? Especially if you, view them as the gender that they identify with. Like if you are attracted to trans women and you are a cis hetero man, you are still cis and hetero because you are attracted to a woman. She is a woman who has a different experience than cis women, but she is still a woman just like cis women have a different experience from her. Like, I don't really see the point of adding that on there. You just are a cis heterosexual man who's attracted to cis women and trans women but at the end of the day they're both women so you don't need to have a specific term to state that you are attracted to trans women like i just feel like it's an odd uh term in general because never have i ever thought to myself i am trans attracted (laughs) (laughs) things that don't cross my mind yeah i've never really thought like that it's just like i am attracted to trans people to non-binary people i'm open but the idea of having to mm-hmm. specifically state it is odd. And it's also, it's like weird to me because it's kind of like the whole, like, that's like when white guys are like, yeah, I like black girls. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it kind of gives me that vibe. Like, I like, I'm trans attracted. So <laughs> just letting you know. Yeah. Like, just, it's just weird. It's just a weird othering thing because then the assumption is by stating mm-hmm. that, that you, it wouldn't be assumed that you would be attracted to black girls or to trans people. You know? And I think that's what the yeah. issue is with it. Like, you, the fact that you have to specifically state that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. <laughs> what you said. Yeah, words matter. And I feel like, you know, say what you mean. Yeah. You know, what? say what you really mean. And I feel like saying trans attracted is an unnecessary and lazy way to say. So maybe it is something positive that this person is trying to say, but it's not. But being mindful of the language you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask questions in my story 
because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling Afrofuturism today. I want to talk about like, what does the future look like? And so I just did like a prompt of questions in my Instagram story, like the future is and then you fill in the blank. And so a couple people said female. Somebody said female and somebody said black, female uh, and black. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And <laughs> I cringe. I hate the word female. Um, and, it, you know, I know that it's because of all of these, all of these societal um, connotations that have been put on this word. Female basically means that, you know, female is somebody who has um, sex, you know, specific, particular sex organs, yeah. you know, and so, but it gets conflated with womanness. It gets conflated, conflated with so much. So for me, in that case, I'm like, okay, when you're saying the future is female, are you saying, okay, these people with particular sex organs who are a variety of different genders, you know, is that what you're saying? Or are you, say, are you trying to say woman? You know, say what you mean. And so when you're saying trans attracted to me, it's like, what are you really trying to say here? Just say that, you know, and if you want to call out and say like, Hey, I'm attracted to people. Uh, I'm attracted to all kinds of women. You know, I'm attracted to women who are transgender and cisgender. And I think that's something that we need to talk about. Like, we, you know, that you, that trans women are women. Mm -hmm. Like having that conversation rather than just saying like, I'm trans attracted. Yeah. Like instead of just, just like the, the same idea, like instead of being like, I think I like black girls or I'm trans attracted. You could just be like, I think you're really cute. Would you like to go out sometime? The point gets across, you know? You don't have to necessarily state exactly. that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to episode two, part one. We had so much to say on this topic, so we hope you'll join us for the rest of the conversation on episode two, part two. Also, want to stay up to date on what we're doing? Follow us on our Instagram, from the root pod. That is all one word. And if you have any questions or feedback for us, feel free to reach out to us at fromtherootpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on From the Root Podcast.